Hey everyone, welcome to the Sneaker History Podcast, where we dive into the people, stories, and iconic moments that have helped make sneakers a global phenomenon. If you've ever told someone that you like their kicks, then you're in the right place. Before we lace up this episode, here's a little teaser for you. Stick around to the end of each episode for the last shot question. It's a chance to test your sneaker knowledge and engage with our community. I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com slash newsletter for a weekly deep dive into the biggest topics in the sneaker business. All right, now that the business is taken care of, grab your favorite pair of kicks and let's get started with the episode. Jordan trying to shake off Starks. Oh, what a move! Against Gil, the crowd on its feet. Allen for the win! To the Sneaker History Podcast. What up, what up? Welcome back to the Sneaker History Podcast. My name is Nick Ingvall, and I've got a special episode for you today with one of my good friends, Justin Valley, who is the owner, proprietor, uh, head honcho of a sneaker store in San Diego called Prospect. What's going on, man? What's going on? Oh, what an intro, man. What an intro. <laughs> we rec- recording right now? Yeah. What an intro. Thanks, thanks. Everything's good. What's good with you? Chilling, man. So we had, a, we had a, a pretty good little conversation before we started recording, and I wanted to get back to part of that, which I kind of harp on this stuff on the podcast and, and just be in a positive impact on the world, but your story was just too good to not just get right into it. So you, you mentioned... Um, your experience at work recently. So I guess before we get into that, we should break down, like you own the store prospect, but also still have your, your main hustle going as well. So, but talk about that experience that you, you just told me about. Uh, so in my regular nine to five, there's a couple of guys I work with. There's a couple of guys who work on campus. Uh, they're pretty much facilities guys. And they all, there's a couple of them who are super into sneakers. So they whether it's Jordan's, one of the guys is from Baltimore. So he's heavy into phones, heavy into uh, New Balances, like 990s and stuff like that. So like a true Baltimore Baltimore head. So he, he he's always in phones. The other guy's always in Jordan's. And I saw them a couple of times and I always compliment on, them, on their sneakers. So right, right there, any sneaker person would know, if you see someone with some sneaker heat, that's a connection right there. That's e, that's, a, that's an in conversation piece. You got a lifelong friend. So I see them once in a while and they always, we always come compliment each other on sneakers. So a couple of, couple of weeks back, I was walking with, with some execs and, you know, it's a little different when you're walking with execs because people, exec, people expect you to play that part and play that, that separation part. But if you're a sneaker guy, sneaker community is one, so there's no separation. We all just love sneakers. And I was wearing the, the, the Jordan 6s, Nick gave me for graduation a few years back that, and they saw it on my feet and they were like, oh, you brought the heat this today. And lo, and it's a little uncomfortable for some people who don't want to really, when there's a separation of like, I would say of power essentially. And so the execs were a little uncomfortable with me. I would say interacting with the facilities guys, right? Cause to them, they're just facilities guys. But to me, they're regular people, one and two. They're sneaker guys, so it's it's all love, one community. So it was it was definitely a, a awkward moment for them, 
but it was pure love for me and the facility guys because it's sneakers and they were they complimented my sneakers you know we just joked about it and then we just continued on but you can definitely feel like there's some awkwardness with the execs and me working or talking to the facilities guys but those guys are cool obviously because i talk to them and they, we all love sneakers right so it's it's something different that i think it connects people right like i always say sneakers connects people in so many different ways i mean from from my early start of being in Solab, right? I could, I remember I see people who are doctors, lawyers, you know, we even had a, a famous singer come in who lived in Ocean, who lives in Oceanside. <laughs> I'm not going to say his name. Um, he came in the shop quite a few times just because he was into sneakers, right? So you meet so many different people just because of sneakers from different walks of life. It's, it's a major connector and most people just fail to realize that it's a major connector. Yeah. It's kind of crazy too, because it really levels the playing field, right? You know, 100%. there's a lot of that hierarchy and that power and, and stuff in corporate America and, you know, in the, in the footwear business too. But I think my experience, like having sales background and just in general, when you kind of, I guess, grow up in, in like less than desirable neighborhoods, yeah. you try to befriend as many people as you can. And, you know, at some point for me and, and, you know, I think for you too, sneakers just became the easiest way to, to make those connections and make those friendships because there's always like challenges in, in like the separation and, you know, the, the attitude that comes with yeah, like that yeah, power. Right. Yeah. And I think what's interesting about you telling me the story was that, you know, there was so much so much kind of fear and uncomfortableness from the executive side, which is ironic considering they in theory have the power in that whole relationship. Right. And yet they're the ones that are uncomfortable yeah. and, you know, the maintenance guys who presumably are probably making, you know, minimum wage or close to it. And, you know, you kind of being in the middle have this relationship ongoing because of sneakers, just because, you're willing to recognize, Hey, that person has a common interest. And I think it's just a cool story. And I think that, you know, with people, people that are listening, you know, to me, it's, it's a very important, it's just an important thing to remember, like how, how far that stuff can take you. You know, I, I think you have the opportunity to befriend people based on their sneakers and, you know, it's, it's a little bit different than, you know, the Twitter world or the, the social media world where everything everything negative tends to bubble up, but here, here you can turn that into, you know, potentially like lifelong friendships, like you said, yeah. and never know where that's going to actually lead you because I mean, everything ebbs and flows, you know, those yeah. people might be the best customer in your store five years from now, or they might be somebody investing in your store five years from yeah. now. You never know. So, yeah, I mean, for me, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good thing, right? I mean, it's a facility is one. I mean, if anybody works at any big company in any, the facilities dudes or the IT dudes are the dudes you want to be best friends with, right? If I need something moved around in my office, if I need something near my office or something, if I hit one of those facility dudes, I guarantee you it's going to get done. They're going to put me at the top of the list because they, they're like, yo, this dude, yo, we rock with him. We, we, let's, let's, let's take care of him ASAP, right? You know, so I feel like a lot of people are scared to, to compliment someone on their sneakers, right? Or 
like you were saying earlier, some people are scared to compliment people on their sneakers. If someone has a dope pair of sneakers, you don't have to hate, just compliment and just keep it moving. You know, like it's sneakers, right? You, you might realize that person could be a best friend later on if you just compliment them sneakers instead of hating and be like, oh, look at him. He's a hype beast. I mean, I say too. I mean, I call people hype beasts, but it's, I'll still connect with them and I still try to build with them. Right? I mean, because, I'm proud to be one. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all are. Everyone's a hype beast in, its own, in their own way, right? So, but I, I feel like a lot of people, I mean, you see it on social media all the time, right? People leave negative comments or people... People leave that negative comments or on under the Instagram post, or they'll take a, a screenshot of somebody's Twitter po Twitter post and then leave a put a negative comment with it. And it's like, yo, it's just it's just it's sneakers, man. Just show the person love. If you don't if you don't like it, you don't have to say anything. Just keep it moving, you know. Like you don't have to comment. And I feel like everyone feels like they have to comment. So it's it's to me, it's it just builds it builds bridges for people, right? Like. I mean, I met you guys through sneakers and BlackBerry, right? Yeah. So it's rest in peace, BlackBerry. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. BlackBerry, right? But I mean, that's how I met you guys, and like we became great friends over the years. You know, we've met so many people just through sneakers itself, right? So I mean, it's it's a connector, right? It connects the dots. Yeah, definitely. And you know, as as somebody who obviously you know earns a good portion of their living and spends a lot of time working in the sneaker business, like yourself, it's that much more important to be an example in the community too, because you know, like kids are looking up to you, you know, we've talked about it for years, like, you know, so a little bit of background, Justin, uh, had a, a store, I guess you can, you can talk about it. Like, what is it like six years ago, seven years ago now? Uh, so soul lab started in 2011, um, had it for a few years, you know, I mean, if anyone's, anyone's ever done any kind of retail side of things, it's kind of footwear apparel, apparel, Usually the brands really kind of, it, it's all who you know at the end of the day, right? It's all who you know, all who you party with, all who you socialize with. That's really the end of it, right? And for me, it's always been super difficult. I mean, you know me really well. If I'm your friend, I'm your friend. You know, I can rock with you. You'll know me really well. If I, if I don't know you, it's hard for me to build a relationship with someone, right? I'm like, I'm not that super outgoing person to just go up and party with a bunch of sales reps or party with a bunch of brands, right? It's not my thing. So... We had some brands in Solab, and then, I mean, I had it for a few years, took a turn for the worse, you know, had to let it go, um, and then took a break for a while, but I still kind of kept on the scene, right? But for the most part, I kept up with sneakers. I mean, like you said, I'm a hype beast like you, so we kept <laughs> up on sneakers. I mean, you guys are my friends, so, and I know a lot of people in sneaker roles, so I kept up on sneakers, I kept up on the trends, and then a few years back, I just, you know, somebody pr proposed something to me, and I said, yeah, let me try it. Let me see let me see if it'll work again. Right. And then that's how prospect started essentially. Yeah. And you know, I think over the years, like obviously I've helped you, you know, in different aspects of the business and it was such a learning experience for me too, because my experience was, or, you know, has always kind of been on the bigger business side yeah. of things professionally. Right. Like, yeah. obviously I, I love this stuff so much and, you know, I'm like in the weeds with you in the shop at certain times. And, but like, the challenges that you kind of dealt with and, you know, had to go through d definitely didn't like, I, there was a lot of stuff that I wasn't, you know, keen on at first. I just didn't understand it. Yeah. And like you going through it helped me learn that side of the business, you know? Yeah. And, and I think too, like the interesting thing is like, I think it's important to point out that 
if it's your passion and you're into it, like you're going to have failures and 100%. And honestly, that stuff just makes you stronger. I mean, I think, you know, in our conversations, you obviously learned a ton from the, you know, five, six years that soul lab was in business and you made tons of connections through the shop and through the brands because of that. And, you know, learned a lot of different things about where you wanted to be the product that you wanted to carry. Even just like the, you know, the brand side of things of having your own brand, as opposed to, you know, having a couple of shirts here and there and moving ahead to like, you know, prospect here in San Diego. And obviously it's a different, a completely different vibe from soul lab, but you're also probably 10 times busier in your day job (laughs) than I think you ever have been. So how do you, manage that? How do you make sure that you're not getting burnt out? What's the, what's the key to, to balancing all of that? I mean, a lot of coffee, a lot of energy drinks. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, I, I don't drink any of that stuff, but it's, it's all time management, right? I mean, it goes back to, I learned this in, in undergrad in college, which kind of, it kind of pisses me off when people on social media post that college is a waste of time or a waste of energy and or just a waste of money. It is expensive. I agree. And you know, you can, a lot of people go in debt for it, but I, the the lessons I learned there have been invaluable. Um, I I think time management was one of the biggest ones I learned there, and that's kind of it helps me out quite a bit now. You just have to properly manage the time, you know, kind of balance off your day to day, set set some times aside, set some goals aside, and kind of work towards. It's like, hey, I'm gonna do work on it two three hours tonight or three four hours a night. You know, I think in the last episode, in the episode with you and Brandon, Brandon was talking about how he would do his regular day job in the day, and at night he would come up come up, come home and drop like, you know, another six, eight hours for complex stuff. So like, you really have to kind of manage your time properly. And I think that that's what, that what helps me out right now. Right. Because like you said, between my day job and then, the, you know, the shop, it's, and then the team at the shop to help try to manage them and try to get stuff going on. And then to have orders in for the next six months or to deal with the reps or to meet with the reps or to go to, you know, this trade show, that trade show, it's, it's a lot of time. It's super time consuming. So you just, time management is is the biggest thing that you kind of have to master. And I still don't have it mastered. Right. So are there any specific things that you do with that time management to keep from getting overwhelmed? Or is it like, because obviously in, you know, the example you brought up with Brandon, you know, it's pretty clear cut, like here's your day job, here's your night job. But I'm assuming like your shop stuff, you have the shop open normal business hours, right? Personally, I know your, you know, your wake up routine from our, you know, friendship over the years. So like, what time are you waking up in the morning to, to get your day started? And and what do you do like out the gate to like, you know, especially because most people that are listening to this probably know that I'm obsessed with coffee and you don't drink it. So I mean, thank God we have sneakers to be friends for because that's like almost a war in itself. But yeah, um, I mean, my my day usually starts at like 5 a.m., right? I mean, 5 a.m. Sometimes I get up, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I, sometimes I lay in bed, I'll grab my phone, you know, check my emails, you know, read through the news to see what's going on. Um, most of the stuff, I mean, most of the brands aren't big brands. They do stuff on East Coast time or something like that to see what happened, you know, what's going what's what the brands are doing early in the day, you know, probably hit a couple of blog sites. Um, I might 
some days, once in a while, I might, you know, go downstairs workout or something like that. It all depends, right? So 5 a.m. I start, kind of start my day. I probably hit my regular job at like 7 in the morning. I'm there till like 3, till 5, 3 p.m. or to 5 p.m. somewhere around that time. It all depends on what's going on with the day. Um, then hit the, I hit the shop in the afternoon after, see what see what happened throughout the day in the shop. Um, I always have my emails, my shop emails, so if anything, they, they know they can reach me through my emails. Even if I don't have my phone on me, my email, I have my computer, so my email's up so they can reach me. Um, and sometimes I don't go to bed till like 1 in the morning sometimes, midnight, 1 in the morning, and then 5 a.m. hits again the next day. It comes, re- it comes really fast, <laughs> you know, so... Again, I, it's, again I, I think for me, it's more of like the passion in it kind of keeps you going a little bit, right? Like that, it's like, it's almost like a little adrenaline, right? Just like, you know, I'm, I'm sure you feel it with you, because you, you're 10 times more busy than I am with all, with everything you're doing. And then you still manage to do the podcast, drop a regular one, you know, every week. It's, I don't know how you do it. And it might be the coffee. Maybe I need to start <laughs> drinking coffee, but yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's, the adrenaline in all of it, like you just get excited about it. There's some sort of adrenaline in it that for me, it's more like, oh, you know, like I'm ex- I'm exposing the culture to San Diego or sneakers to San Diego or streetwear to San Diego. And I'm bring, telling the brands like, hey, San Diego has this, you know, because for a long time, I mean, they still do. It's still a struggle because everyone knows the big markets are L.A., Chicago, New York, you know, Texas, Lately, then you have like people like the guys over at politics and, you know, like Burn Rubber and all those guys like James Whitner is doing success. All those guys are doing stuff on the Midwest and stuff like that. But San Diego, nobody really cares about it. Right. It's it's almost like it's a gem because we got so many tourists that come through. But then again, nobody believes that streetwear lives in San Diego. And there's, you know, crazy streetwear shops has come through San Diego toy machine. You know, you have five in the dungeon has been around. Um, some of the early SB accounts were in San Diego, you know, so it's just that nobody ever really believes that San Diego has that culture. So for me, it's kind of more like this is I get a, I'm, I'm, I'm getting an opportunity to expose brands to San Diego and say, hey, we have this culture here and expose San Diego to people to stuff that they probably would have never known otherwise. Right. Like New Balance wasn't was never really a thing in San Diego. No, a lot of people come in. And who probably were big Vans heads before because San Diego's, you know, skate skate culture is huge here or Jordan culture because everyone's into Jordans. But New Balance now, people are buying New Balance and like people come in and it's like, man, I just spent $160 on a pair of New Balance and the quality is top notch. Like I've been buying Jordans for years and the quality has never been this good. Right. So for to hear somebody say they bought a pair of New Balance, you know, not not trying to give New Balance a plug, but, you know them to say i just bought a pair of new bounce for 160 from you guys and the quality is top notch then it's better than jordan then it's it's mind-blowing right yeah because they probably would have never done that in in the past right because i mean everything you see on the blogs or whatever is you know i'm jordan brand nike adidas yeezy whatever right yep. new balance has gotten a little bit of a runway right now with you know the Kawhi stuff and all that but they've been like under the radar for a little while right yeah so that's actually a, a pretty good topic to, to touch on because, you know, Kawhi has been changing the game. Um, and it's funny because I'm pretty sure you and I talked about Kawhi 10 years ago when he was at San Diego State. A long time ago, yeah. right? We talked about it, right? Um, I mean, do you think that, that he's had an impact locally here in San Diego on the New Balance stuff? 100%. Like- 100%. Um, I think a lot of people, I think 
he put he him being a San Diego State guy and everybody supporting him, a lot of people was championing for him. And then him being on New Balance, people come in and ask us all the time, when are you guys getting the Kawhis? When are you guys getting the Kawhis? But, you know, because people want to buy that sneaker, right? People in San Diego looking for that sneaker. I mean, people come in and be like, it'd be dope if they did a San Diego State colorway. And I'm like, believe me when I tell you, that idea is in my head. It would be dope if they did a San Diego State colorway because, you know, it's a big thing, right? A lot of people, I have a lot of friends who went to San Diego State and they talk about seeing Kawhi in the dorm and it's like, he's always been that, you know, that dude who's just chill. He's not very, he's not very social. He's super calm, super mellow, right? Like, I know guys who played, you know, who hooped with him one-on-one once in a while and seen him around the dorms and they just say he's always been the same person and they, they keep asking, when are we getting... You know, the Kawhi ones, when we get to get, and I'm like, it's just, it's, it's limited, super limited. They haven't flooded the market yet. So I think if it, if they do make it a more general release, I think it'll do, I think it will do really well because not only because a lot of people in San Diego support, will support him. He's a Clipper. He's a Clipper now, right? They drop a couple of Clippers colorway. All those Clippers fans, all the LA fans are going to buy it. Right. And then he's doing something different. Right. And it's new bounce. It's, it's gonna be. It's gonna push the brand a little, a little more, a little more uphill, right? Yeah, I think too. Like, I'm sure. I'm sure most most of our listeners know, but you know, the Clippers were a San Diego team originally, so yeah, there's a lot of ties true. back. Yeah. You know, with with you know San Diego and and him being from, you know, I guess like technically like you know the Valley of. What is he? I don't remember where he's from, but somewhere. He's yeah. He's from like San Bernardino San in Bernardino the Valley yeah. or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, hopefully he doesn't drive a suburban anymore. He got a new car because he used to drive a beat up suburban for a while. Yeah. So I'm sure he probably got a new yeah, car. I, remember now, right? I mean, he got millions now. I'm hoping he doesn't drive it anymore. Right. Yeah. You never know, man. I mean, some people just keep it simple and rock with it. So yeah. I guess, uh, with thinking about like new balance and a little bit kind of off topic maybe, but what else could like San Diego's always been like one of my favorite places, but it is really interesting how, you know, there's never been, in my opinion, like a long running sneaker store. Yeah. You know, there was way back in the day, right? Like, you know, the spot that we looked at. Yeah, Attic, Attic, yeah. which is bait right now, right? So, yeah, I think there's a few there's a few things with that. I mean, it's San Diego is kind of community driven, right? I can't believe I just said that. But well, San Diego is kind of community driven. <laughs> so you have to be like involved in the community in San Diego for for the, for, for the shops to stay, you know, to stay relevant. Right. And the brands also has to be, have to believe in San Diego. Right. Cause if the brands don't really believe in it, then they're not going to spend, you know, advertising dollars. They're not going to try to do anything to push San Diego for it. Right. Cause it's to them, it's not a big market. Right. Which it, which is not true because San Diego is a huge market. You know, we probably get like, I don't know, like 700,000 tourists that come through in the summer, right? I mean, 700,000 tourists that come through in the summertime. And I'm just like, that's that's plus or minus some margin of error, right? But I'm yeah. sure there's way more that comes through. I mean, any convention, you know, Comic-Con came through. It was just TwitchCon. All those things come through in San Diego. And it's, it's almost like you, it's like a untapped market. And the brands are scared because they just don't know what to do, right? I mean, they just had the... Um, they just had that the Stranger Things release for Comic Con when they had it, the hidden gems all over the, the city, right? So those are things I think the brands need to do more for San Diego and the San Diego community because there's a lot that goes on. They just, it's almost like they're scared to tap into the market, right? Because they don't know, 
they're scared of the unknown. And I mean, they got to be risk takers, right? Like you ha they have to be risk takers for it to grow in San Diego. And I mean, as a retail space, it's really tough because you have to like fight the politics to get, you know, like where it's a collab or whatever, because nine, 10 times they're going to put a collab in a shop in LA, shop in New York, shop in Chicago, you know, shop overseas before they put it in a shop in San Diego. And I mean, we've proven that, Hey, we get a collab. We can sell it on the same day, just as any other retail space around it, you know, around, around the country. So they just, it's hard. It's like I said, it's really difficult to get the brands to believe, right? Like you have to fight, you have to push, you have to really fight and push. And you have to like, you almost have to like just run in and kick in the door and say, Hey, we're here. We're here to stay. You know, I've heard multiple people, you know, different podcasts that I've listened to say that it's the brands don't want to believe in these small cities. And when they do believe in the small cities, they realize like, damn, this was, a, this is an untapped market. We should have tapped into it a long time ago. So, I mean, I haven't cracked a nut yet on how to figure out um, how to get these brands to believe in it. You just got to kind of keep fighting and keep pushing up the battle. Right. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's interesting too, because, you know, we obviously know tons of people that have stores and, you know, work at stores and all that. But, um, you know, I think of like, you know, Matt from corporate in yeah. Cincinnati and, you know, he's, um, he's put in so much work to get to crazy you know, work, crazy, crazy work. You know, I mean, it's probably been to what it's probably 10 years for him, right? Like yeah, something it, close to that. Uh, it is, it is, it actually, it is 10 years right now. Cause they celebrated a 10 year anniversary. Oh yeah. 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 They, they, I mean, they're doing the CP3 Jordan, right. Yeah. For the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. I mean, Matt was one of the guys who, when I first started Soul Lab early on, he was one of the guys who like I kept in contact really, really a lot with, right? Because, you know, I would hit him on any questions I had, really, just like I talk with you guys, him, I would talk to him any time of the day. I could text him or hit him and he would hit me back with a response or we would talk, you know, like we were in really close contact and he, you know, so he's been, I mean, he's been in it, right? Like he's seen the ups and downs, right? Like I'm sure he has, he can, if he, you know, if, he writes a book one day or he gets on a podcast, <laughs> something, you know, yeah, he, could I tell you some, he could tell you some of the stories that, you know, that he, some of the things that he's went through also, cause I'm sure he's went through some stuff being in Cincinnati, you know, I mean, uh, I think the cats were, that were one of the first Jordan teams. So yeah, I, I think, which is the, the symbolism of the CP threes. Right. So well, I, mean, I think he, he is just tough, right? Like, especially when you're in smaller cities, when you're not in a big city, it's, it's almost like it's, harder for the brands to really, you know, want to re recognize you, support you in any way, shape or form, right? Like, why should, who's in San Diego? Who's going to buy this stuff in San Diego, you know, but yeah, they don't really realize it. Right. It's kind of crazy too, because, you know, obviously Matt has, you know, put in a lot of work to get to the point of having the collab with Jordan brand. And, you know, even with the tie of Cincinnati and, you know, him being such a big fan of Cincinnati, it's taken, you know, 10 years to get, to this point of yeah. having this drop that's happening or just, just happened, I guess. And, you know, one thing I think about too, is like the nature of San Diego is, is interesting. Um, because a lot of people will drive to orange County to LA, LA to go experience something or see something. But a lot of times it doesn't happen the other way around to come down here, you know, and, and, there's also not a lot of stuff happening here to the level that happens in LA to your point of like the brands, the brands really need to like recognize, like, I mean, the city of San Diego is massive. Like, I don't think it's, it's, huge. it's crazy to me that how little, like you walk around 
downtown or even like, you know, Pacific Beach where the shop is, there's tons of people rocking heat. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, yeah. and, and that's not even counting like schools nope. or all just, you just know, random people, regular people, games, yeah. all this stuff. But one thing I think is important to note, you know, because we brought Matt up and I think that a lot of, a lot of the internet and, you know, the, the perception of a lot of this stuff is like that it doesn't take a lot of work. And I think one thing that you've done really well with is, you know, like networking and keeping in touch with people and, you know, not being afraid to ask questions of people that are going through these experiences because, you know, as, as I said about my experience working with you over the years, like it's just a constant learning process and it, you know, I'm sure Matt's not the only person that you talk to, but maybe touch on like how important that, you know, kind of just asking questions has been. Cause I know you're, I know you're really good at reaching out to people and finding people to kind of support and like at least be like a sounding board for you when yeah. you have questions around things. Yeah. I think it's important. Cause I mean, a lot of these people are probably in the, in the industry already and, and they're doing big things in the industry. Right. So being able to just reach out to them and cause Everyone wants to hear the glory part of the business, right? The retail side. No one wants to hear the pain, right? So I'm not going to ask the guys about the glory. I'm going to ask you about like, yo, what should I not do? What, what, if I go through this, what are your problems? What's the problems that you encounter? I don't want to hear about the glory at the end of the day, because the glory, you're going to get the glory, right? But dealing with the pain is the hardest part. Dealing with the, the hardships is the hardest part that everyone forgets, right? And I think they don't, people don't see that because everyone goes on Instagram and see, you know, everyone's flexing or stunting with the, in the, in the glory, but no one is really seeing the behind the scene works, the, the 2 a.m. nights or the, you know, the days you miss some family function or you miss your significant other birthday party or something, right? Just because you're trying to put in that work. And I think a lot of those guys would, you know, they've told me they've missed a lot of family events. They've missed out on a lot of birthdays, a lot of, you know, a lot of functions. They've missed out on a lot of things and they just, kept saying, Hey, you got to stick to the plan. You know, like, you know what you have and you just got to fight with it and deal with the brands like one day at a time, you know, that's really what it is. just dealing with it one day at a time. And a lot of them just keep telling me, keep have told me in the past, like, you know what you're doing, you know, like if you have any questions, just reach out, hit me, you know, and which is, it's having someone who's done it for 10, 15, 15 years or who's who ran, who run multiple shops or whatever the case may be, having those people in your corner is invaluable, right? I mean, just like having you in my corner, like, you know, like we've been friends. I can hit you any time of the day with some crazy idea I have. And you, you might laugh at me and tell me like, dude, you're crazy. You know, it's 2am go to sleep, you know, but you know, at, at least, you know, like I put it in your head and now you, the next day you come up with like 10, I 10 ways we can figure it out and make it work. Right. So I think just having all those people in your corner, cause is, really invaluable, right? It's just, I can't, I can't stress how important it is, but you, again, for me, it was hard to build those connections in the beginning, right? Cause I feel like it's really hard to build genuine connections, right? So when you build those genuine connections with those people, it just lasts a lifetime and you know, you have a friend in your corner or support someone to support you for a long time. You know, like when I, when I started back with prospect, a lot of people hit me on, you know, like, and people that I, that are have are in the game for a while, they just like, man, you're back, and it's good to see you back. You know, like if you need anything, just you know, reach out to me, let me know, right? So it's good to see like those people from when I had Soul Lab, what 
10, five, 10 years ago, like reach back out to me and say, Hey, it's good to see you back. You know? Yeah. So I think it's definitely a different thing. Like even with the sales reps, you know, there's still a couple of them have changed, but when I reached back out to them, you know, they were like, man, I'm happy to see you back. You know, like this is a good thing, you know, the San Diego needs it. Right. So it's definitely invaluable to have all those people in your corner. Yeah. So like that makes me think, you know, obviously the, the, the closing of soul lab, you know, I know it was a challenge for you to like get to that point, but are there any specific things either around that or other, you know, points along your journey that you look back at now, it, you know, in the time it was like, you know, shit hit the fan, but you look back at now and you're like, kind of like either took something away or, or you know, are grateful for that. Like, what would that be for you? I, I think one of the things is you gotta, it's like a long-term plan, right? Like where you want to be. I mean, I talk to you, you buy all the time, obviously. Right. But like a long-term plan, what, I'm, what, what, what am I going to do in the next six months? What am I going to do in the next year? Where do I want to be? Like, so you kind of set a plan, a goal, right? And you try to work towards that. Whether it's a small goal for every two months or whether it's a goal for every six months, you got to set a small goal. I didn't do that before. You know, I was kind of living week to week, essentially, right? Which, you know, I learned a lot from that, right? Like, I realized, like, if fall would come and I wouldn't have, you know, like, products lined up of the private label that I want to drop. And I'm, like, rushing to try to drop it. But if you plan it out way ahead in advance... You kind of do it, you know, um, even now I ch I've, I've been trying to get better about it, but it's still like something that it's time consuming, right? Like you really have to dedicate that much, that much time to that, that long-term planning. And that's one of the biggest things. I mean, even in life, right? Like you kind of have to set that long-term planning, right? Like you got to know, Hey, where do I see myself in the next year? Right. Most people probably can't answer that question. I mean, I, I struggle yeah. with that question right now, but where do you see yourself in the next year, the next five years? Where do you see a business in the next year, in the next five years, right? You know, like, so I think that's the the biggest thing, takeaway from, you know, Soul Lab that I learned is like, I got to have a plan of some sort of where I want to be in the next year, what I want to do, you know? And it's it's challenging. It's really, really challenging. It's not as easy as everyone thinks it is, right? They might think, oh, I'm going to drop, let's say someone starts a brand, is like, oh yeah, I'm going to drop something every season. It's not that easy to drop something every season, you know? I mean, there's 15 million brands out there. The same, you can only recycle the design so many times, right? So at what point does it change, right? So you think you plan, but, you know, I mean, Mike Tyson, famous quote from Mike Tyson, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, right? So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's you, you might get punched in the face, so be careful with your plan. Yeah. Do you, do you happen to use any, like, just because I know you're an app guy, or do you happen to use any apps for that? Like what, you know, I, I use Evernote for damn near everything, but is there anything that you use specifically that you would like recommend or? Oh man, you know, you know, you know, I'm a native apps guy. <laughs> I use native apps all day because I mean, they, they part, they're powerful tools and they work with the, 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 the software, right? So I use my regular notes. I use it religiously, right? I can't, I mean, I have an idea. I put it in my notes real quick. If I see if I see something online or some some picture, somebody snap a picture, I throw it in my notes. I, I use my notes religiously. Like I could be anywhere. It'd be like two in the morning, and I get up to go to the bathroom, and I think of something, and I grab my phone, I put it in my notes. You know, I use my notes religiously every day. It's pro I probably that's probably the most used app on my phone is my notes because. I just want to make sure that, you know, like you ca you have an idea, you capture it. I want to take a note of it right real quick because there's so much going on a day. I might forget about it. Right. So 
my notes app is probably the most used app that I use. I mean, some people like Evernote, some people like use OneNote. My Apple Notes is probably the, you know, the biggest one and reminders, obviously. But I mean, the notes app is so powerful now. You just have to use it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that kind of stuff is is interesting because you and I are very similar in the sense that we have a lot of thoughts and ideas. And I think a lot of people don't take the time to put them down. No. And I, I'm, you know, saying that based on, you know, 20 years of experience of yeah, like having yeah. a head full of crazy ideas and um, some things that I've, you know, worked on, some things that I haven't, some things that I've totally forgotten. And not until the last, you know, probably, I don't know, maybe five years or something. Like it's been like more, I've been more conscious about putting the ideas and the thoughts down. That way I can at least scroll through them because if, if you know, I'm not going to remember everything, yeah. but if I can scroll through, you know, a, a random list of, you know, a hundred things, one of those things might spark something yeah. from five years ago that we talked about. And now I'm like, shit, that's where I got to go. Like now I yeah, know yeah, how I'm going to use yeah. that, that thought. Um, yeah, I, I think we're, you're right, right? We're similar. Right? And those ideas that we, when we do, when that random idea do pop back, we obsess about it, right? Like we, we genuinely obsess about it. We just go in and detail and try to figure out like everything. We might put a whole plan together of how to do it, execute it, and the long, the long-term plan for it, right? And then it just gets shelved, right? Like, I mean, we did, I have tons of ideas that, and you, I'm sure you do, I know you do too, that we put together a whole plan for it, right? Long-term plan that you can probably just sell it to someone and they could probably make millions <laughs> and we just shelved it, right? Because it's literally a plan that has every aspect of it that's detailed out, it just needs to put it in motion and you're just like, oh, I'm not feeling like it today. I'm just going to throw it on the shelf, right? So that's kind of that's kind of what happens with all these ideas that we have, right? Yep. Yeah, it's, it is, it's, I don't know. I don't know how you shut off. I don't know how to shut off my mind sometimes, but. I mean, you can't, and you shouldn't, right? Because you have, I mean, you're a creative, right? So you have a creative mind, so you, you can't shut it off. It's like, for me, I have a couple of drawers right by my computer that has tons of stuff that I've collected. And it's just like, like, I mean, I went, I was in Europe for a few months, a couple of years back and someplace had salt, salt and pepper shakers. And I was like, oh man, this is dope. And I just grabbed it, right? And well, I mean, I asked the waiter if I can keep it. And he's like, oh yeah. He's like, yeah, you can keep it. So to me, because it was like, it's something different that I've never seen. Something like creative. It's something like, you know, visually, visually appealing. The design aspect was cool. So I like, so I collect anything that has like cool design aspects. I, I, I grab them. I try to get them, you know, whether it's a sticker or a sign or a postcard or something, right? So all those things, like your mind's continuously just like working right you can't turn it off because that's your, your nature that's your personality yeah true very true that's interesting i never really thought about collecting all that stuff so that kind of leads me into like the next question i was going to ask is like what's something that you find inspiration in that might be a bit untraditional oh man that's a, that's a good one i don't know man yeah that's a, you kind of stumped me on that one i don't know i i think that's not traditional uh I mean, just like, I like everything, honestly, you know, like, I mean, most people probably just anything that's des that designed different, right? Like, like I said, like the salt shaker, right? To me, like that was super dope to grab the salt shaker. Um, 
I saw when I went, to, I saw Mona Lisa and they had a Rubik's cube with Mona Lisa, and I thought it was super dope, right? Like most people probably don't even know how to solve a Rubik's cube, but like I bought a woman with a Mona Lisa, much nevertheless, right? Because so anything that's just a different design that's not not a standard design, I mean, I might never use it. Peeps, I might. It's just something. It kind of links some sort of brain cells in, in me, right? Like it, like you think of things in a different light, different aspect. So it's almost like anything that's that's designed different, right? So yeah, like I said, there's tons of stuff in it. I mean, I have like push pins that's different, that's you know, like paper clips, all those kind of things that you've never seen that somebody just creatively came up with. That for me, it's like anything is designed differently, right? Like some people like architecture, some people like you know materials, some people like colors. Like for me, it's just like aesthetic design of something of you know more like aesthetic design of like trinkets, I would should say, right? Like little things that are everyday use that you never realize that. You know, there are those things that are useful, but you, you never had it. So you didn't know how useful it is. And then you get one and you're like, man, how come I've never had this in my life? This is the most useful thing in the world, you know? So it's it's those things that are, that I kind of, kind of drive inspiration for me, right? Because it's, I mean, I've always seen, I think Jeff Staple did a jacket one time with, um, that you could put your iPad in. It has a whole, whole bunch of pockets. You remember that? I don't know if yeah, you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Had a whole bunch of pockets or whatever. And I thought it was like the coolest thing ever, right? I mean, even the Levi's jacket with the Bluetooth Bluetooth thing. And I, I mean, I own one, never used it. I don't even, I've never turned it on. But, you know, it's just like the coolest thing. It's one of those things that you just want to collect because it's different, right? The Nike Adapt, you know, that I got, you know, like I've tried to sync it. It didn't work. And then I just put it back. But, you know, I, I might never wear them but they're just cool to have because it's like a different design element, right? Like all those things are just, the design element is just cool. So it kind of makes you think like, it helps you think outside the box to push the envelope, right? Which, I mean, I know everyone says they're trying to push the envelope, but are there, it's like design aspect to push the envelope is like super, it's different on a lot of those things, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, so maybe like three more questions and then let you get out of here. What sneaker would you give someone uh, to get them started into sneakers and why? CB4, Charles Barkley 4s. All-time favorite sneakers. First sneaker that I, first Nike sneaker that I actually ever got brand new. Because, I mean, I come from a pretty big family, right? All my brothers are older, so it was always hand-me-downs, right? And when you, when you, when you have four older brothers... I mean, now sneakers get really old after a while, right? Because it's coming down from four different people, right? So by the time you get it, you can't even, there's not even a lace, there's not even a pair of laces, right? So you're wearing sneakers that don't even have laces because four other people have worn it for a couple, of, a year at least, right? So I remember the first one, I mean, I grew up in Trinidad and Tobago, you know, and the I remember my mom, we went to, I can't remember the name of the, the sneaker store that's down there, but it, we went in and I had, I wore uniforms to school, white shirt brown pants and black sneakers and i remember they had the white ones and my mom didn't want to buy me them because she's like you need black sneakers for school this is the only pair of sneakers you get you know i mean everybody talks about they got their first pair of jordans or something like no i remember charles Barkley, and i remember he was just a rebel at that time he was just pissing everyone off he's not a role model none of that stuff right so to me it was just like yeah this is the guy i want to follow right and I remember seeing this, this the black C4s with the C4 on the, on the um, toe box, right? On the left side of the toe box and on the out, outer side of the toe box. And I remember I was like, I want these sneakers. I'm going to get these sneakers. <laughs> and my mom was like, I will buy for you, but you have to do a little bit more chores. And I was like, I'll do whatever you need me to do to get these sneakers. And 
Lo and behold, she bought those for me. And I, I mean, for me, that was like, it's the sneakers just designed different, right? Like, I mean, there's a lot of sneakers that that's designed different, but for me, that one just stood out because, you know, Charles Barkley was a rebel at the time and, you know, he was, he was breaking the rules, right? Like he was pissing people off. He didn't want to be a role model, even though he was a role model, people looked up to him. So for me is, it'd probably be that one because to me, that was just like, it's just something different. Right. And it's, it just stands out, right? Like people be like, what is that? You know, where'd you get that from? You know I mean? Another one that's, I think that's true and near and dear to my heart is the New Balance 576, right? I mean, I was in the military and that sneaker is like the, the, the I was like the military special. If you went to boot camp at that time, they were giving, you were getting issued a 574 or 576 and they didn't have 574s in my size and I got a 576. I mean, to this day, like, that sneaker is probably one sneaker I would love to work on, right? Because it doesn't it doesn't come out that much. It's it's rare that you see New Balance re release five seventy sixes. But that sneaker is like if if I had to work on any sneaker, it'd probably be that sneaker because that five seventy six is like that's I mean that's a life changing event, right? Boot camp. I remember the, I, yeah. I I still had the sneaker, right? But it's like I mean it's beat up and it has my social on it and, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it's destroyed, but. It's, it's still like the New Balance 576. That was like military issue, right? Like you go to boot camp, you're getting a pair of 576, the gray joints, right? Like gray on gray. And you better take care of it because you you have 13 weeks with this pair of sneakers. So you better love it and take care of it because you're not getting another pair. So, yeah. So, I mean, those two sneakers are probably be the sneakers that I kind of, for lack of better, is give to someone to say, hey, yeah, you know, start off with this, you know? Yeah, that's super dope. I love that. I love that it's different. You know, like... I think, you know, I've asked a handful of people this question on the podcast and, and every time it's different and it's interesting because it's the easy choice would be like, a you Jordan, know, right. a Jordan one or air force one, or, you know, something that's like your favorite kind of like mainstream sneaker, right? Yeah. Like a default d decision, but everyone has had some different story and it's just something, you know, like just, reminds me every time how much I just love the diversity that exists oh, yeah. in the sneaker world oh, yeah. and like the experiences yeah. that we all have with it. And, um, and it's super dope too. Cause I mean, you know, like new balance just needs to give you a collab. Like that would be super dope. I'm sure, I'm sure like you, you would crazy ideas, crazy <laughs> ideas, crazy ideas in my head for it. Crazy ideas. I mean, is I have so many crazy ideas and it's, I think it's, it's, for me, um, I remember another another sneaker aficionado from social media. He we were super, you know. He's big into sneakers. I mean, he just did thirty days of flight. I mean, I'm sure you know who it is. So he just did thirty days of flight. So I mean, I think he did thirty one days. But for him to drop thirty one different flights, right? People are amazed. But I remember we, him and I used to talk, and we we're talking about um, how the the, the Air Force Ones, they did the Armed Forces Air Force Ones, right? Every year Nike would do that, right? And then they just stopped. And then um, New Balance did, they did an uh, Armed Forces pack and they, you know, I think it was like a 990 or something and it just kind of, it just kind of fizzled out. But I mean, if they, I, I personally think the 576 or 574, some sort of military theme, pff, I have some crazy ideas. And it's not just a standard camo, right? It's just... Because everyone just, when they think military is like, oh, let's do olive uh, olive green or camel. But if you were in the military or, you know, you've 
you've been around the military, you know, there's so much more that goes through, right? As I tell you, like the ideas is crazy. And that I know vets or, you know, active duty military people could super relate to, right? So yeah, like I said, I have crazy ideas for the 576, crazy ideas, crazy colorway, crazy ideas, crazy marketing, marketing plans. It's just, it's a crazy idea that I've shelved for one of many that I've shelved <laughs> for a long time. Well, hopefully it happens soon. That would be super dope. Um, obviously I'm going to need a pair size yeah. 13s, but yeah. definitely. <laughs> um, so I guess, uh, two more questions. One, you know, kind of like, I feel like this is almost like the default podcast question now, but I think it's super important because we all grow differently, but like looking back, like, you know, in your experience, like military, corporate life, the shop, both shops, like what would you, what advice would you give to like teenage you? Just go for it. Just go for it. Just go for what you believe in. Cause I mean, a lot of people have ideas and they have, they want to do something, but they, they rather play it safe. Right. Cause it's super, it's easy to just be safe. Right. Than to take a risk. Right. I mean, and most people are afraid to fail. Right. I'm, I guess like a better, I, I, failing is just one of the things, right? Like you learn so much from failing. Right. And you just become, I think the next time around, you just learn something more. So, I mean, just go for it, take that risk. Right. And a lot of people are scared to take their risk because they have great ideas, you know, and you're going to, you're going to, some people are gonna. Some people are gonna fail. Some people are gonna hit that that success, you know, like nail and just blow up, right? Just take off. And some people are gonna struggle, right? So I think if you want to do something, just go for it. Take that risk, you know. Don't be scared. Whether you want to be a YouTube influencer or whether you know you want to start a brand, start a re retail space, or whatever you want to do, just take that risk, right? I mean, but be prepared to put in the work, right? Because it's not gonna be easy, right? Like there's no, there's no no one's going to hand you anything. There's no true formula for success, right? It's literally just hard work. So you have to put in that work. So just be prepared for it. So, I mean, I guess, like I said, I always say, just take that risk, you know, because in the past, there's been a few things that I've been scared to do to take the risk just because, you know, I'm like, oh, that might not work, you know, and just take the risk, just go for it. You know, where's that could happen is it doesn't work out. Guess what? Now, you know, it, does, it didn't work out and you learn something, right? So just take the risk. Yeah, I agree, man. And I think too, like, that's so important because for most of us, you know, we've talked about this. So, but for most of us, if you take the risk and fail more than likely, if it's something you're really passionate about, you're going to figure it out and do it again. Yeah. You're going to, you're going to try it again because the idea and the passion is not going to go away. You know, like there's very few people that I know in the sneaker business that are like, you know, all right, I'm completely done and out of it. It's like never somebody will say that. And then next thing you know, it's like, oh, that shoe, like the shoe for them pops up as a retro or, you know, somehow gets put in front of them. And next thing you know, they're like right back into, yeah. you know, paying attention to all the news and blogs and podcasts and, you know, buying stuff and, and all that. But um, I think, you know, that's great advice. Um I guess the last question is maybe a little more specifically, like, you know, what would be like the one piece of advice you would give to the, like the young kid that wants to start his own shop and, you know, is, you know, the, the kid that you know, that we know this is, is not going to be able to, to live without 
trying, right? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think there's so many things that never get talked about, but is there one thing that you would, you know, either encourage them to do or, or, you know, piece of advice for them, whether it's, whether it's like actually, you know, working in the shop or like just the process of getting to that, you know, that they could take and, you know, hopefully open a shop of their own someday. Yeah. Uh, I think a couple of things would be, well, the first one is you kind of, you got to kind of learn the industry, right? Because streetwear retail industry is just nuts, right? Like retail industry is nuts in itself. It's crazy in itself. And then the streetwear industry is 10 times, tenfold crazier, right? Because streetwear changes all the time. There could be one thing showing up. Like you can probably have an idea of something that's going to be hot. And then one thing is shown in New York Fashion Week or Paris Fashion Week or London Fashion Week. And it changes the game, right? So everything you thought was going to be hot. Now somebody just showed a neon yellow shirt with a pink print and that's the hottest thing out. Right. I mean, look at the feel of disruptor, right? That's that shoe was, that shoe just went crazy and everyone's like, what the feel of disruptor. I mean, it was the shoe of 2018, right? Like nobody thought a feel of disruptor would be that popular of a shoe, right? But it just blew up. So I think you got to kind of learn industry. Like you got to follow the trends. You got to know what's going on. I mean, you, you also got to know who the key players are in the industry, right? Like, cause you got to be able to see, okay, well, I'm going to follow this person. I'm going to follow this person and know, what they're doing and know that know the trends that are going on right because because you, you can do your own thing but nine out of ten times you're going to kind of fall back into the trends right because people these big major cities set the trends right like the la's the new york the tokyo the london right they set the trends for fashion right as much as people think they have their own style their own swag you know their own drip you know it, at the end of the day they're following a trend of some sort you know even even me wearing black t-shirts and blue jeans every day, right? Like somebody somewhere I saw do that, right? And I thought it was a fashion statement. I'm, I'm going to wear a black t-shirt and blue jeans every day, right? So I think the first one is like, you got to know the industry, know the business. And the second one is you can't do it alone. You genuinely can't do it alone, you know? Like, and I think that was one of the problems with me at Soul Lab, you know? Like I try to do it all, right? Like you genuinely can't do it all. Like you got to ask someone for help. You got to reach out to someone for help. Like whether it's a friend who have no idea what photography is and you need him to help you take some pictures Like you can show him how to use a camera and set it up and he could take the pictures right whether it's to help you run a website whether it's to work the front end or whether it's to you know whether you're going to screen print your own shirts you you definitely need some sort of help right you just can't do it alone it's you will burn yourself out you will kill yourself if you try to do it alone you genuinely need some sort of help right like you got it's that's like one of the biggest things right that i learned is like you got to have like some sort of a team or some sort of support system to help you do it, right? Whether it's your your girlfriend, your wife, your mom taking, you know, taking pictures, your homie from way back in the day. Some you gotta have some sort of help because you're just gonna burn yourself out and then you're just gonna stress yourself out trying to do it all and take take care of it all, right? And it's hard because you don't want no one's gonna love your project more than you, right? Or as much as you, right? But you gotta relinquish some kind of control and, you know, let people help you. Otherwise, like I said, you're just gonna burn yourself out, you know? And it's doable and anything is really doable, right? But you just, you gotta get that help, man. It's, I can't stress that enough because I learned that the hard way, right? Like you, I mean, you gotta get the help, whether it's, don't be ashamed to ask people for help, you know? Like, and that's what, you know, even now I'm still, I'm still hesitant to, to, to ask people for help, even though I know it's, it's, it's something that's needed, but you got to ask people for help regardless of whatever it is. Right. 
Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's so important to also recognize that a lot of people that, that, that we think of as like, maybe, you know, you, you look at it as like a burden, right? You don't want to burden yeah. somebody by asking for the, for the help. But it, the reality is a lot of people are willing to help in exchange for the knowledge that you have. Right. And, or, or free t-shirt. Yeah. Or free t-shirt or whatever. Right. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, that experience is invaluable, right? Like, like for me, you know, anybody that I can learn from as a mentor, regardless of, you know, where I'm at in my life is always worth it. You know, yeah. I, I think that as, as someone, you know, like eventually, like I obviously want to have my own shop someday. Right. Yeah. We've talked about it for, for years, but I'm not in a hurry for that. It's not the right time for me. And, you know, I look at that as more of like a, uh, this is going to be my retirement job kind of thing. And, um, but I always think about, you know, the, you know, like I said, learning from your experience with the shop and, and, you know, bringing people in and working with people, it seems really, it seems crazy to think that people, you know, don't want to help, even though we're programmed to think that the reality is like anybody that's that, you know, anybody that you want to be around is going to be excited to help you become better at whatever you're doing. And, and, you know, you in turn give that to them in different ways, right? Whether it's, you know, your experience owning a shop or your, you know, like even like what we talked about earlier with your routine and waking up early and, and going, you know, after it and just chasing the dream. And I guess like, you know, I, in your, you know, answer made me think, is there anything, is there any other experiences that you've had, you know, like with, whether it's whatever it is, school, school or work, or, you know, in the military that you look back at, you know, you mentioned like the, the, you know, the, the school thing and like the scheduling and like the planning, but is there any specific things that you think of that were like, like really poignant to, you know, pushing you towards that because obviously you're like your drive to, to make this successful. Like I'm, I'm sure I'm going to know you when you're 80 and you know, like I assume by then you'll be like massively successful <laughs> with it. But if you weren't, I also know that you would still be like, no, I'm going to get it right. Yeah, and it's going to be point, successful. Yeah, yeah. At some point. So is there anything, you know, that, where does that come from for you? I guess. I, I th- so I think it's, it stems from a lot of different things in my background. So, I mean, I, I mean, you know, I, I grew up in what, what I call third world, most people call developing, but you know, I grew up in a developing country and my parents had, you know, businesses, you know, like I've been around entrepreneurs like pretty much all of my life. Right. So my parents had a, a corner bakery that had a retail, um, kind of like a, like a little corner shop, kind of like, it's equivalent to like a Seven Eleven in the Caribbean that, bakeries they had my dad had a couple of private schools in the caribbean like technical schools that where they teach like computer science and engineering and stuff like that so i've been around entrepreneurs all my life and i think for me it's like the resilience that i saw my parents did had you know for like with businesses then my brothers all had like you know businesses and then 
So that entrepreneurial foundation was there. And then come to the U.S. And then you kind of your eyes kind of open up because most people take for granted what the opportunities that are available to us. Right. Because there's so many opportunities here that are available to us. Right. Like it's ridiculous because you don't even realize how many opportunities until you like you start doing something. You'd be like, well, I could do this. I could do this. You know, and you just have to take advantage of it. So seeing all those opportunities and then being in the military, and you see like in the military, it's in the Marine Corps, it is a lot of things that it's kind of like certificate driven. And you could take it because to get to the next rank, you kind of have to take a test. You have to do a bunch of qualifications, right? So you could take that test today and you could fail. But guess what? You want to get to that next rank because one, it's more pay. It's more, it's better responsibilities. You're not doing what I call peasant task, right? You're not doing silly stuff. You're not going to work at four in the morning because now you're at a different rank. So all those things like trying to get to the next level. So you want to continue moving ahead so you can, one, bring people up with you, right? Because I always remember in the military, there was this, there's this couch, right? The famous couch. So to sit on the couch, you have to be a certain rank and you have to have certain qualifications, right? The goal was to sit on that couch, you sit on that couch, you're one of the cool kids, essentially, in quotation marks, right? So you want to sit on that couch. So you you will do whatever it takes. You will take these exams to get qualified 10 times if you have to, because you know, at the end of the day, I want to sit on that couch. And the goal is you sit on that couch. Now you have that qualification. Now you could help someone else get on the couch, right? So it's more of trying to get to the next level and bring and pull people up with you and, you know, explain. I don't say expose, but to open up people's eyes on what's what what's out there, right? To bring people to light, to help them, to get them to the next level, right? And I think that to me, that's where the prospect name came from, right? Is because we we all can be successful, right? We all can, no matter where we're from, no matter our background, no matter who we are, we all can be successful, right? But you just need that one opportunity to prove your worth and prove you know prove that you can be successful, right? So I think my resilience to like be successful or is to help people and show them that, Hey, you can be successful too. Right. Or you can make it too. You can, you can take that risk and follow your dream and you might fail, but guess what? You can try again next week. Right. So I think all those things over the course of the years just set up a foundation for me to just be resilient and try, keep trying again. Right. I mean, I have crazy ideas in my head. If prospect fails, guess what? I have another crazy idea in my head that's just going to roll off and then I could, I'll just do it again. Right. Like, it's not, everyone's, like I said before, everyone's scared to fail, right? But you learn so much. You just have to build that resilience. And people find that resilience in different ways, right? Like for me, it's like, I want to help people out. I want to show people that they can do something different with their life, right? You don't have to live that cookie cutter life, right? Like, and people always worry about, I can't get here because of this. I can't do this because of this reason, this obstacle, right? I mean, there are a lot of obstacles in the way. I will never doubt that, but I still think that you can do it, right? Like you can maneuver around the obstacle, right? I mean, life's a minefield, right? Like you just have to be able to maneuver around the mines, right? And then not get blown up and then continue on the way, right? Yep. So I think that for me, it's just that resilience has been built up over the course of years for different experiences, you know, with my parents being entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial, um, entrepreneurs, um, me being in the military and that couch, like that couch, I mean, I, that couch played a really important part in my life, right? Because the goal was to sit on that couch. And when you sit on that couch, all the homies who weren't qualified enough yet, you now you're qualified. You can 
help them get qualified and get them on the couch. And now all those guys are on the couch. Now the next thing is to get to the next level and then get all those guys to the next level. Because for a long time, I knew a lot of people who were like, I could never get to that qualification. I could never do that. And I'm like, now nah, you can do it. I'm going to help you do it. Let me get qualified and I'm going to help you do it. Right. Yeah. So then you help him and now you help the homie get to the next level. And then, you know, it's like keeping people, showing people that they can do it regardless of wherever they're from, however, whatever learned disability they have or whatever obstacles in the way they can get there. Right. So I think that resilience is just built up over a course of time. Right. Yeah. That's so, that's so dope, man. I mean, it's, yeah, it's just a great, like that's the, so two major takeaways from this entire conversation. One, just the thought of doing it because you want to help other people do it and you want to, you want to, you know, bring bring your homies along with you and, you know, share that success with them. The, like asking for help, right? Yeah. I think, you know, not being afraid, you know, not being afraid to fail and, and asking for help is just like super powerful advice for anybody that wants to go down this path. Yeah. And I don't think that, you know, I think you, you hear that stuff all the time, but it's, you know, your example of the couch is super poignant and, you know, motivational to me to think like, okay, who, who am I bringing on to the couch next? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, you not help, just, right? Yeah. Not just like, you know, the physical couch, but like the metaphorical couch yeah. of like, all right, cool. Like if I, if I'm on this couch, how am I going to get to the next one? Yeah. Because I mean, I'm sure there's people, you know, who want to be content creators, who want to be brand creators and they have this obstacle in their, they, this obstacle that they think is in their way, or it might be in their way and they just don't know how to get around it. Right. Like you're, you're already there, right? You have tons of friends who are there. I'm sure you can help those people that you know, who those obstacles are blocking could get to that next level, right. To get exposed to it and be like, oh, damn, Nick just helped me. So, I mean, you might, you might not think it's a, as a big deal or of a big deal because you're like, I'm just helping someone out. Right. But that person is going to remember you for the rest of your life. Right. Like, and that person will come to you. Like, I mean, I have, like, I have four mentors from college, right. That helped me throughout when I, when I had Solab, when it went under and all that stuff. Right. Like, and across the years, like I meet with them for like lunch, like once a month sometimes. Right. And those guys, I mean, they just, we just talk, right. Like we just, and they've just helped me over the years just to kind of like guide my way throughout things. Right. Like things I'd be like, yeah, I can't do that, man. It's just, that's, that's way too much. And they're like, nah, you can do it. And then they'll say, they'll, they'll show you a different, a different, they, not, they don't even show you. They just kind of like challenge you. Right. And say, what about if you do it this way? What if you do it this way? So they foster thinking in you and you're like, Oh man, I didn't think about it that way. And then now you're going a different route. Right. So they're helping you get, helping me on that metaphorical couch. Right. To get yeah. there. Right. So it's just one of those things. And I mean, you've helped a lot of people, you've put a lot of people on, right. And whether it's, I mean, I saw you tweet something, uh, if I've help, helped you get a job or something like that, you know, like, and you, there was like probably millions of responses, you know, and you probably didn't even realize like how many people's lives you've impacted over the years, just, just from sneakers, right? Like it goes back to where we started the conversation with like just connecting people with sneakers, right? Like you've impacted so many people's lives, right? I mean, so far my favorite episode of the sneaker issues with Brandon, right? Like, and I guess you guys are talking about how you were seeding product to people and you were just seeding the homies, right? Like literally all you were doing is you're bringing them on the couch. That's yeah. you're bringing them on the couch right there. Right. And you, to you guys, it was just like, Oh, we're just gonna, 
you know, we know cool people who do cool stuff. We're going to put them on. Right. And that's you helping them because without that, those brands probably would have never reached out to Fomer to do Dare to Air, which is still one of my favorite YouTube videos ever. Right. Like I've watched it so many times. Right. Like I think that they would have never reached out to him if you guys didn't connect them. Right. So I think you, you put him on a couch essentially. Right. Like it's kind of like the friend's couch. Right. So like <laughs> you guys put him on a couch. Right. Well, it's crazy, too, because. I mean, we've known each other for what, 10, 10 years or something easily. Right. And you saying that like my, my approach to life has always been my measure of success is the amount of opportunities I could create for others. Yep. And I try to stick to that as much as I possibly can, you know, like, you know, it, it it's hard to keep up in conversation with thousands of people, but you know, I, I try and I try to help as many people as I can in any way that I can. But it's crazy because we've never had this conversation about the couch and it's exactly the same thing. So crazy it's like, no, it's no, it's no surprise why we're such good friends and why yeah. we've been on this journey, you know, and, and paralleled each other in this journey when at our core, we have the same philosophy yeah, it, know, we just for did people, right? Yeah, yeah. we I just mean, never talked about it. Never, we we've never had this conversation ever, right? I, like this couch is like if you've if you ask anyone who's ever been in a Marine Corps flight line shop, they'll tell you about the couch and how important the couch is to the flight line shop because you you want to sit on that couch. That's the cool couch. You sit on that couch, you're the cool couch. There's one couch in the shop, and you get to sit on it, and you're you've made it, right? And then. The next thing is you want to bring all the homies on. So like you, like you said, you know, we've never had this conversation, but that couch has been like, like that has been like a pivotal part of my life, right? Because I didn't realize how I always, I have a lot of friends who are, who were in the military that I still talk to quite a bit. And we always talk about how institutionalized the, the, the Marine Corps got, had us, right? Because there were so many things that they did, that gems that they put into us that, we didn't realize that they were putting into us to make us into, you know, better, not just, just better human beings. Right. Yeah. All around. Right. Like that couch, like, I mean, they, people would tell you like, now you're on the couch. Why don't you go help? So-and-so, you know, you know, Joe blow get on the couch next. Right. So they would like, people would tell you them, be like, damn, I just got on the couch. Let me enjoy the couch a little bit. But they were really trying to show you like, Hey, you know, like you got to keep, you know, the more people that you put on, you know, like that's a measurement of your success and people are, you know, are going to respect you, you know, like, and not only that, you just, you build lifelong friends, right? Like it's all about building lifelong friends and, you know, putting people on, like you might not be a millionaire, but you have 10 friends who are, you know, who make thousands of dollars, you know, like who cares, right? Like we're all good friends and we, we're all doing stuff that we genuinely love to do and we're all at great places in our career. So, you know, like the couch that the, the couch is seriously like the, it's like a pivotal point in my life in, from the Marine Corps. It, it really like made me think about a lot of things over the years until they got rid of the couch cause we all screwed <laughs> up and then no one can sit on the couch, but that's a different story. But yeah, but the couch is like part two of the podcast. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the couch is super important in, you know, in my military career. It's super, super important. I remember the first day I sat on that couch because if you, when you get the qualification, you get to sit on the couch, right? And now you don't have to come in at five in the morning anymore. You come in at 6.30. So you get a whole hour sleep extra, right? So, I mean, just those things, right? And then now you're like, now you get all these people coming in at, at 6.30 in the morning now. And now like, now all because before 
you had all your homies at five in the morning, right? Now all your homies are at six thirty in the morning. So like it gets, it just gets better and better the more people you put on, right? So yeah, the yeah. the couch is a pivotal part of my military career, man. That's awesome, man. Well, I think that's a great great spot to wrap up. Uh, why don't you let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find the shop online? Uh, so you can find me at s o l e l o six seven on Instagram. Uh, the shop is p r s p c t s d on Instagram and on all social media platforms, actually. Um, if you don't follow me, just follow the shop. You know, if you live in San Diego, just come by, say what up. Um, I'm usually on the weekends, some evenings. Most days the team is there. So, you know, just stop by, say hi to the team, Sarah, Josh, uh, Nina, Alex, you know, whoever's there, you know, Shay, whoever's there, just say what up to them, say hi, you know, just chop it up with them. I mean, we're, we're all in San Diego, you know, into streetwear. We all have different lives. We bring different takes to the shop. So, you know, that's it. Cool, man. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. I appreciate uh, you, man. Thank yeah, you for coming down you. to yeah. San Diego, making a trip down from L.A. <laughs> I know it was rough. I mean, but San Diego, right? Why wouldn't you it's want It's always to be, worth it. It's always <laughs> worth it in beautiful San Diego. So, all right. Peace. All right, man. Thanks, everybody. Peace. What up, y'all? This is Nick again. Before you take off, I want to ask a few favors. First, if you're listening this long, I'm going to assume that you're enjoying the show. Consider joining us on Patreon for as little as five bucks a month. It's a big help to keep this podcast going, and we drop exclusive episodes every week on our Patreon page. Second, consider leaving us an honest review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate the feedback, and it also helps us grow the community that tunes in for the podcast. Last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. It goes a long way and can really make a difference in someone's day. Once again, we appreciate you all for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Hey, hey, Nick here again. Before you take off, I want to thank you for listening to the Sneaker History Podcast. Be sure to hop into our Discord to answer this episode's The Last Shot question and get to know our community of sneaker enthusiasts. If you'd like more insights on the trending topics in the sneaker world, I've also recently started a newsletter to share my knowledge from nearly two decades of experience working in the footwear industry. You can find the link to that below or go to sneakerhistory.com newsletter. And last but not least, tell someone you like their kicks today. You never know how far a simple compliment can take you, and we all know how good it feels to be on the receiving end of some appreciation. Thank you for all the support, and we will catch you on the next episode. Peace.